You're listening to Geeks Unleashed, a podcast that covers what's current in the world of pop culture. I'm Mark Brassington, and I'm in London. And I'm Jasmine in Texas. Hello, welcome to Geeks Unleashed. This is episode 63. If you are not already subscribed, you can find us at Geeks Unleashed everywhere, including your favorite podcast platform. Remember, five-star reviews help us get found by more listeners, so please rate and review Geeks Unleashed on Apple or Podchaser. I'm Mark, and of course, I'm joined by my co-host, Jasmine. Hello! <laughs> I kind of like, was a bit like, what the fuck do I say? I run out of texting very, very, very jokes. Very simple. It's all good. I run out, I run out of texting jokes. I'll have to Google them, see if there are any more. Oh, no, uh, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, for this week's review, we are reviewing James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. And spoiler warning, this is a review show. So if you have not had a chance to watch Suicide Squad, we suggest you pause this and come back later because we are spoiling everything. And before we jump into anything, I would like to thank everybody that left a message, left a comment, left a voice memo, left, you know, listened to last week's episode. It was um, obviously just a you know standard episode 62, but it was also the episode for my 40th. And it, was, and it was not, it was just nice that, sort of nice people to be interactive and jumping in and stuff like that so just thanks everybody i did do a bit of a shout out on on the social medias but like um you know it's it just want to say a personal thank you um and then after that episode i woke up in the morning and i had a week away by the beach and um that's not as glamorous as it sounds it's not california <laughs> it's just a little village uh near a little town called bogner regis uh which if anybody in England will know, it's not the most glamorous place in the world, but you know, <laughs> actually, it was really nice. Had a nice week away, saw some friends, had some drinks, um, popped into a comic shop, nice. uh, bought a couple of comics. Um, gotta got to get your gift. nerd on, DJ. Yeah, yeah, I um, haven't got all of the gifts actually that I um, my. What's quite funny is my dad bought my present about three months ago and then forgot to give it to me. <laughs> he, like when we had a we had a meal as well down the coast on Sunday on my actual birthday, and um, everyone like my my brothers and my sister and everyone, you know, my wife, everyone gave me presents. And my dad said, "Yeah, yeah, I actually forgot to bring yours down." I was like, "But dad, you you literally bought it like three months ago." Like, yeah, you've been talking <laughs> about your dad's gift for a while. Like, no, because no, you already like, knew what it was. I knew what it was. Like, yeah. and, um, and he so, forgot it. That's hilarious. And he yeah, my mom. My mom said, "Oh, you did remember to bring it," and he's like, "No, no, I didn't." No. Oh my like, goodness. And I, and I was like, "But dad, dad, have everyone. You bought it before everyone. Like even before my wife's present. Even before my wife." <laughs> bloody went job so um but yeah so i will see him at some point next week and um i won't ruin it now i will share on um <laughs> instagram probably the, the the thing it is it is a run of comics that i used to own a long time ago and you may have heard me talk about it occasionally that i sold a lot of comics off when i first got married and bought a house because uh that was an expensive year so, <laughs> uh Got married, bought a house, had some had kids. a baby, yeah. yeah, all in the same year. And um, yeah, it was an expensive year. So unfortunately, my comic collection took a massive hit that year. So um, pretty much wiped it out. And over the last 10 years, I've just been buying mainly new stuff. But lately, I've started to go back and get older stuff. So Yeah, feeling a little nostalgic. Want to start putting that collection back together again. Yeah, no, yeah it's true. Like, um, I'm sort of, although I do love new comics, I want to go back and put together the stuff that I actually got me into comics in the first place yeah so, and uh, a lot of the time i regret 
well, pretty much all the time I regret. Um, <laughs> and some of those things, when I see the prices of them now, like I had the original Young Avengers run and I see what that goes for now. And I'm like, oh, flipping heck. Right. <laughs> uh, I'm never going to go back and buy that. Well, it's going for silly money now. So, um, <laughs> uh, anyway, but yeah, no, it was a good week down by the coast. Came back today, real recording. It's Friday. And then this episode will drop on Sunday, but it's a nice little week away, a nice little break. So, a well, nice little birthday break. Sounds like you had a good time yeah no what about you did you have a good week no <laughs> <laughs> well you you worked no no one yes <laughs> so busy, that's, that's the extent of my week no it's, oh just work. over just now work. and and that's it <laughs> oh, okay so versus this week's versus did i throw did i throw you off because i didn't actually tell you normally i tell you but i quickly threw this together because no because i saw laugh. the news it drop. made me laugh it yeah made me laugh. it made me laugh when i thought of it <laughs> Like you saw the news drop, yeah? Yeah, so the news that inspired this post was Idris Elba is going to be voicing Knuckles in the Sonic remake. Or not remake, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, the Sonic sequel. Yes. Um, which I actually just watched that original, the first film, like two weeks ago. And it was fun. I enjoyed it. Uh, so I'm excited to see what the second film brought. And then, so this week's versus was Bloodsport versus Knuckles. <laughs> and surprisingly... Knuckles did really, really well. <laughs> there was a lot of comments pro Bloodsport, but on the story, yeah, uh, the, the, the people in the story is, yeah, I, I, I voted for Knuckles. I think uh, if Bloodsport wants to beat Knuckles, you got to catch him first. So. That's what I thought. I thought, man, that guy, that guy goes too fast. Bloodsport just walks. Yeah. Well, I mean, he did shoot Superman with a kryptonite bullet. So if he can catch a speeding bullet with a bullet, then he might be able to catch Knuckles. But I'm still gonna put my money on Knuckles. Yeah, I I feel knuckles, but then I, could this be a draw? Could this week's be another draw? Like, you know, the, the comments were pretty leaning towards Bloodsport. The story was heavily towards knuckles. I, I agree with you. I, I voted for knuckles. Yeah. Um I personally feel if we if we're both saying knuckles, let's let's call knuckles the winner. Yeah, this we week. we declare this is going to be a technical knockout, a TKO. We're we're declaring knuckles the winner this week of but, who wins. The but week. Norm- normally, I run run the versus past you before I drop them, but I, d- I didn't because <laughs> I was on holiday. I was kind of just like I just put it yeah. up. Yeah. And um, but did it make you laugh when you saw it? It did because <laughs> I saw because I saw all of the posts about oh my god, Idris Elba is going to be voice of knuckles, and I was like oh man, this is going to be great. And then before I could even like let that sink in, it popped up on my feed and I was like, oh my God, Bloodsport versus Knuckles. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it made me chuckle. Like I was like, oh, that would yeah. be a good one. Although right. we must be big Idris Elba fans because he's the, this is his second appearance on our Who Wins Wednesday. Oh, no, I know. Yeah. So. Well, it, was a, it was a different character. Yeah. Luther before, and yeah. he won that one. But yes. this, was, this was him versus himself, yeah. really. But it, so he's still the winner. Basically, Idris Elba well, is undefeated on our Who Wins Wednesday polls. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Knuckles definitely hands down. He'd find a way. Yeah, he'd find a way. He's crafty. Plus, he's a computer game character, and they get more than one life. This so. is so true. So, yeah. so true. I mean, and, and judging by the suicide squad, you don't get more than one life. Well, judging by this film, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but before yeah. we get to that, we got a little bit of news to cover. So first up, one of the things, this this little bit made me very happy because I am a big Adams Family fan. So a few months ago, they did announce that they were going to be doing a Wednesday series, which follows Wednesday Adams to Nevermore Academy. 
And uh, Jenny Ortega was cast as Wednesday Adams. And they just announced that Catherine Zeta-Jones and Luis Guzman are going to be playing Morticia and Gomez, which is perfect. To be honest, the only person better than Catherine Zeta-Jones to play Morticia Adams would have been Eva Green if they were going a younger Morticia route. Uh, I think Catherine Zeta-Jones is going to be amazing in this role. Um, I'm hoping some kind of way, somehow, Angelica Houston has some sort of cameo or something in the series, but I am super excited that Catherine Zeta-Jones is going to be taking on Morticia Adams. Um, So originally, the roles were played by Carolyn Jones and John Astin as uh, Morticia and Gomez, but made famous, I would say, by Angelica Houston and Raul Julia, which... Good grief. Adams, the Adams family and then Adams family values. Oh my God. I've recently watched Adams family values again. And Christopher Lloyd as cousin Fester uh, or uncle Fester. Oh my God. That movie is perfect. And of course, Joan Cusack as Debbie, she's psychotic. It's amazing. Anyway, love the Adams family. I'm excited to see where this new series goes. I have nothing to add. (laughs) Mark is not a fan. (laughs) I don't like the Adams family. Love the Adams family. Love it. So talking of things I like, <laughs> what if? <laughs> um, I watched the first episode this week. You've not watched it, shame on you. But oh, anyway, I forgot. I really did forget. Sorry. I made myself during Sorry, my holiday. Marvel. I was like, I was like, they'll, they'll, they'll get half an hour out of me this week. Like, so I watched What If. I loved the first episode. We will talk about what we think another time because some people will come back to What If. However, they have announced that there's going to be more. More series producer Brad Winderbom, bum, Winderbom. I don't know how you say his surname. I said there's going to be multiple animated projects, various phases of development. Uh, he's also said uh, there'll be more creative freedom with storytelling um, when using the animation as a medium, which I can see that because mm-hmm. they probably don't really care too much. Um, so, however, there's no feature length projects planned. Um, for not for the to- yeah, not for the MCU. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, you can expect um, can expect obviously a second season of What If, um, and also more MCU animated series in the future. I enjoyed the first episode of What If. Um, I liked I liked the fact that it was um, kind of like a one and done. Uh, mm-hmm. It reminded me. Well, I mean, obviously the whole point is that it's based off of the comics from uh, mainly from the nineties. I remember picking up the occasional What If comic and. Mm-hmm. I, did, I never collected them in, in the entirety, just be like if there was a, a story that you particularly liked, you know, I don't know, like what what if Spider-Man became the Punisher and, it, you know, all these kind of things or what what if, I don't know. What, one of them actually, did, one of them I always remember got turned into a series and what, what if, um, I think it was what if Spider-Girl lives or something like that. So there was this whole storyline about Mary Jane and Peter Parker having a baby and the baby was made to disappear because Marvel didn't want Peter Parker to get, too old and they feel like having a baby was get they they'd written themselves into a hole because it made mary jane pregnant but they didn't want her to lose the baby because they felt like that was kind of aging her so they kind of just they just magic the baby out shall we say but the baby just got <laughs> the baby got disappeared in the middle of the night kind of thing oh the beauty um, of erasers and um and then there was this what if comic about what if you know the baby had become spider girl and that one issue i remember being really popular and they actually made a spider girl 
uh, series that was set in a possible future. And that went on, on, I'm pretty sure, for like over 100 issues or something like that. But that was the only one I really saw from uh, What If that actually went on to any length of time. But what was funny about this first issue, sorry, first episode of What If um, with Captain Carter, it wasn't even based... <laughs> off a What If comic. It was based off of an issue from a comic series called The Exiles. And The Exiles used to travel to parallel worlds and they used to have all like essentially variations on Marvel Marvel's main continuity. And um, one of the characters was Captain America, who was Peggy Carter. So that that's where that idea came from for, for this uh, episode. So I actually love love the episode and I am really excited to see more of it but I particularly love the animation I thought the animation was so unique Mm -hmm. so if they keep with the style of the animation I'm keen to see what more they're going to do and yeah I'm I'm hopefully you know I don't I can't remember exactly where their rights sit with with Spider-Man but I hope that we can see more Spider-Man coming into this as well Mm -hmm. I mean I'll be excited once it's all done to binge it and then we can talk about which episodes were our favorites Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We, well, I know, we'll do do that. So. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so Chloe Bennett has left the CW's Powerpuff Girls live-action TV series, apparently due to scheduling conflicts. Quote unquote scheduling conflicts. She probably just had enough. Yeah, she's <laughs> like, like, "F this noise, man." Like, so we've mentioned the Powerpuff Girls before the TV series on CW they'd already filmed a pilot CW didn't like it they said mm-hmm. they had to reshoot it so Chloe Bennett was in the pilot that CW said needs some work and off to go off you go to go remake it mm-hmm. somewhere along the line she's now busy stepped yes. away I feel like if you signed a contract to be in something, you're supposed to make room on your schedule for the thing you signed up for. Like you make room based on the schedule that is provided in the contract. When the contract extends beyond the scheduling timeframe, then you have rights to say, I am not rearranging my schedule any further. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I, I get that. But what I'm saying is if she wanted to, she would make room for it. If, if, why would you? This is this has been an ill-fated like, like announcement of a series since the very beginning. So, I mean, the live-action series is meant to take place when they're older. Mm-hmm. I've never watched the cartoon, to be honest. Okay, I, well, okay, the cartoon was fantastic. First of all, yeah. can't believe you didn't watch that. You have girls. How do you not watch this kind of stuff? It came out before they were born. I know, like, but like they watch what? old stuff, don't they? They watch a lot of Disney. Oh, uh, well, this is Nickelodeon. So, I mean, Cartoon um, Network, Cartoon Network. It was sorry. Cartoon. We don't we don't have Cartoon Network here. Oh, uh, um, okay. I'm not being okay. honest with you. Majority of the stuff that was on Cartoon Network. No, we do have it in this country. Sorry, but oh, we don't have it in our house. Um, I didn't like a lot of what Cartoon Network put out. It was what? all that. It was all that type of artwork, like Powerpuff oh, Girls. Oh, my and God. I, I that I'm, I'm phase really from like the time. late 90s to the early 2000s was Cartoon oh, Network in its Dexter's Laboratory, oh, no, Johnny Bravo, no, Ed no, and Eddie, Kurt the Cowardly Dog. Oh I'm, my God, that was a fantastic run of cartoons. The last three things, I don't know what they were. But what is the, wrong with you, Mark? The Johnny Bravo, um, the Dexter's Lab and, and the Powerpuff Girls were not for me. I don't oh, like it. And, um, you know what, I, guys? I'm gonna fight Mark one of these days. I'm just gonna fight him on this podcast. We're gonna have a knockdown, drag out. Who wins Wednesday between me and Mark? Because uh, like you, just, like we don't have I the like same the, taste. 
I don't like that. No, I like the kind of artwork that you saw in like What If. I like a lot of anime artwork. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I, I like, I like, I like, you know, I, I Castlevania. I love that artwork. I think it's great. I just don't like the cheesy, <laughs> wacky artwork. You know, oh, like yeah. um, it never appealed because this all came out when I was like a child. Like, yeah. and it didn't appeal to me as a child. I liked. But they were uh, all so funny. Oh, my God. Cow and chicken. Oh, my God. Cow and chicken. Cow and chicken was not a kid's cartoon, and it never should have been on Cartoon I Network, more it was like, so good. I preferred more serious stuff. Like, on, on Cartoon Network, they had Johnny Quest. I really liked Johnny Quest. Oh, yeah. Their remake of Johnny Quest was really good. Oh, that was, see, that's what I mean. See, you yeah. agree. Like, there you go. So, I liked that. They didn't, they didn't, they did a really good job with that. That and that, if they'd have done more of that, that was awesome. Mm. So, I... <laughs> Maybe you could, pers- do you know, what? like I could be persuaded to go back and rewatch some of this Powerpuff Girl stuff and see if my opinion may have changed because I was only like 10. Um, you so were not 10. You were not 10 because I was like in high school. Somewhere, so you were between, not 10. T- t- somewhere between 10 and 15, definitely. Like <laughs> this came out and it just wasn't for me. Like just back then, maybe if I rewatch it, I might be like, oh yeah, I can see it's funny. Yeah. Oh, so man. Now I got the uh, cow and chicken theme song stuck in my head. Ah. Uh. Uh, so anyway so the show is meant to still have some sort of life um as Dia- uh, what's his name diablo diablo cody and her greg- name oh sorry sorry <laughs> diablo cody and greg bertolani uh are behind the scenes still involved etc etc and i mean I berlani think, oh. like basically built the cw's whole Arrowverse. so if if he can keep that thing running uh, he might be able to pull this one out of the gutter. We'll see. I don't know. For me though, like Chloe, um, uh, Chloe Bennett is one of the main things that interested me in this show. I definitely wanted to watch it. Um, I love Chloe Bennett, Agents Shield, big fan. Watched every episode. I don't think I've seen her in anything else. Um, but I liked the idea of her doing something superhero-y still. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I really hope that Marvel somehow find a way to bring her character into disney plus and marvel and somehow i know they wouldn't i know marvel would never address any of the agents of shield stuff but like i would love it if somehow she got brought in proper and she was brilliant in agents shield so when i heard she was gonna be in powerpuff girls I was like, oh cool now she's not in powerpuff <laughs> now she's not in powerpuff girls i am less interested well in in other live action news uh netflix's avatar the last airbender live action series has begun its casting um after that 2000 film and that debacle not so sure why we need another live action avatar the last airbender however yeah, but could it be maybe they're just trying to make it right because yes which i think is exactly what they're trying to do they have definitely started on the right foot because their production team the executive producer the showrunner the directors are of Asian descent and their main cast is of Asian descent as well. So we are off to a good start casting wise and representation wise for this live action Avatar series. So, I I mean, you know, it's on Netflix, so I'll see how it turns out. Um, Also, My Hero Academia is getting a live action film. Uh, I really don't know how I feel about that. I feel like there's way too many special effects in My Hero Academia. I love I love My Hero Academia so much, and I think that the anime is fantastic as is. Um, also, the My Hero Academia films are phenomenal. Both casts are phenomenal. The Japanese cast and the English cast are great. Uh, but this, the director that they have tapped for the 
My Hero Academia film is Shinsuke Sato, who most recently did Alice in Borderland on Netflix, which is also a great series. So I'm hopeful, but at the same time, I don't see why we need a live action My Hero Academia. It's just, that's just me. They do live action of everything in the end. If you if you make a comic or if you make an anime or if you make a cartoon, I mean, at some point, it's always when are they going to make the live action? Because they know that live action will appeal to a bigger audience. So I'm nervous, though. <laughs> I'm nervous. Could it be the next Ghost in the Shell? Oh, it better be better than Ghost in the Shell. Good God, <laughs> I hope it's better than Ghost in the Shell. I don't know. I love like Ghost in the Show is like one of my favorite anime movies of all time, and <laughs> even and even I was like, "What are they doing?" Yeah. Do you know what? I love Scarlett Hansen. Yeah, but, but not, I don't not, like Scarlett Johansson playing Asian people. No, 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 but not for this movie. Like I, yeah. I, I think like Scarlett Hansen, Black Widow, amazing. Like, um, but not a great choice for this movie or, yeah. or that movie. And the but the movie in general wasn't very good. Mm-hmm. Even, even Scarlet, unfortunately, I think even if they'd have put an Asian person in, I still think it wouldn't have been a good movie. Yeah. Well, like, even if they did. Yeah. And uh, Alita Battle Angel was okay. Like, I've oh, never watched that anime, but I really enjoyed that film. No, I've not seen the anime, but I love the movie. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is a really good movie. I don't think that's getting a sequel, unfortunately. But no, I don't think so. It ends on a cliffhanger, annoyingly. <laughs> anyway, I will watch all of these live action thingies. Um, how exciting. I would like to say, though, I've never watched Avatar The Last Airbender. I've seen a couple of episodes, oh, so but it is something that I really do want to watch. It is something that's like on my to-watch list at some point. I would like to watch the TV series. And I know it had a follow-up series as well, didn't it? I forgot the name Korra. of it. Yeah, yeah. And I know Korra, a lot of people were talking about Korra. The Legend of Korra, yeah. Um, man, I think your girls would like Avatar, the, the animated one. It's so cute. They like, I know you're not going to want to hear this, but they actually did like the live action film. <sighs> I mean, they're kids. I'll, I'll forgive it. <laughs> uh, so, anyway, we'll be back in a moment. Have you ever dreamt of being a superhero? Legends of Superhero Story is a new actual play podcast using the Legends Superhero role playing game system, available on all podcast platforms. This exciting new superhero tabletop RPG follows our Game Master Jack and our fledgling heroes played by Chad, Emily, Amanda, and Daniel as they work their way through their origin story and beyond. Listen in as they discover their powers and abilities. Let's hope they learn to work together as a team in time to save the world and truly become legends. Legends of Superhero Story is available on all podcast platforms. For more information, follow us on social media at The Legends Cast or visit our website, www.matchplaygames.ca forward slash The Legends Cast. You gotta be kidding me. You're gonna risk the entire mission for a mental defective dress as a court jester. This is coming from a guy that wears a toilet seat on his head. We don't leave one of our own behind. All right, enter through the third floor and then down to the cellar where they usually keep their detainees. Hopefully Harley's still alive. It's not a toilet seat, it's a beacon of freedom. And we're back. All right, kicking right in. The Suicide Squad. That is that is the official title of this film. It is not Suicide Squad 2. It is The Suicide Squad. 2021. Directed and written by James Gunn. Produced by Charles Robin and Peter Safran. It stars a lot of people. 
Margot Robbie, Pete Davidson, Sylvester Stallone, Idris Elba, John Cena, Daniela Melchior, Nathan Fillion, Joel Kinnaman, David Dustmolchen, Alice Braga, Michael Rooker, Fluva Borg, Sean Gunn, Peter Capaldi, Jai Courtney. The list goes on and on. Viola Davis, Storm Reid. Um, there are a ton of people in this movie. So it is the 10th film in the DCEU, that is the DC Extended Universe, and it is a standalone sequel to David Ayer's Suicide Squad from 2016, which this film is sort of based on um, John Ostrander's 1980 Suicide Squad comics run, loosely based. The closest equivalent here, obviously, it's a sequel to a 2016 film, but also this, to me, it's very, very similar to Birds of Play, Birds of Prey in the style and sort of tone of the film. So Suicide Squad 2016, um, I think actually very tonally very different, but just before we jump into this review, what, what were your, it was a long time ago now, 2016, <laughs> like, what, but what do you, like when you went and saw this, did, you probably saw it, did you go to the cinema and watch this or did you wait till yes. it came out? Yeah, I remember walking into the cinema um, to see this, like, and I can tell you now, I walked in full of excitement yeah. for this movie. I thought it was going to be absolutely amazing. And when I walked out, I honestly felt such utter disappointment. Like, oh, man. And I, and I was trying to, like, reconcile my feelings, thinking, like, maybe maybe I just didn't get it. Like, maybe I need to rewatch it. Like, no. I was really, like, questioning myself. Like, and I remember, like actually at the time there was no geeks on these podcasts and like i remember like literally going on to um my podcast app literally typing in suicide sports like <laughs> so, on, so on the drive home i could hear what other people thought and yeah. other people were like tearing it tearing it a new one and i was like yeah. okay so these people actually are going far worse than even my own mind is thinking and um so i was incredibly disappointed with the first movie there was good things in that movie and the only real good thing in that movie was margot robbie and that's why i had to reconcile in the end that the main standout for this uh, for the for the 2016 movie was margot robbie like she I think she's the one thing that really saved that movie i'm not saying it it, it turned it into the best film ever but she was the shining light in that movie margot robbie's portrayal as harley quinn that's what i had to take away from it was that we got a really amazing harley quinn out of mm-hmm. that movie um but the worst part about that movie to me was jared leto honestly probably the worst joker we've ever had like you know he's up there with unfortunately jesse eisenberg's Luther. <laughs> like, what what's crazy to me is two of the biggest villains in the dc comics just so bad. We're so cast. horribly miscast. Yeah. Uh, honestly, they could not have picked worse actors. And and then unfortunately, have to criticize the directing here as well. They were directed so badly. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. The t- the tone difference between the 2016 film and this film is I mean, it's it's day and night, honestly. So when you walked out of the cinema, like, so before you walked in, were you full of beans and then like, or well, when I, when I went into it, I was excited because I thought that I was excited to see Will Smith's Deadshot against everyone else. Like I I thought that that was going to be a really nice kind of contrast. So I was not disappointed in that. However, I really hated Enchantress. I thought that that was just an awful choice especially for a first film. Um, And I just didn't, I didn't like the way that culture 
was used in the first Suicide Squad film. And it's just like, it's, uh, it's you know what? it bugs me so much. The bits I did like from that first movie, other than Harley Quinn, was how they, how they were trying at that point to have a cohesive universe. I liked that we had Batman um, arrest Deadshot. <laughs> I, li- I liked the fact that we had The Flash. I liked at the end, the end credit sequence had Bruce Wayne and Amanda Waller. And that's when DC seemed to care about a cohesive universe, which I I really loved back then. So although I didn't think it was a good film, um, and that's fine because you don't always get good first movies. I mean, if you look at um, Tom Cruise's first Mission Impossible, that was a terrible first movie. Mm -hmm. And then two... And then the second Mission Impossible still wasn't brilliant. Actually, I think the first Mission Impossible was pretty good. No, it when you compare it to what came afterwards, I well, mean, but that's not fair though. I think the technology upgrades got a lot better. So as the talking, technology oh, no, got better, everything else got better. Oh no, 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 I wasn't talking about technology. I was more the there was parts of the script that I wasn't overly happy with. Mm. Um, even when I back, watched back that film, I still think it was I don't know, kind of like bumbled together. Um, although you could say Tom Cruise as Ethan Hunt was. It, not as experienced so maybe that's why i don't know i didn't love the first movie but then the second one i thought was okay and then it was only from number three onwards did i think we actually got a really good franchise of movies so this is kind of when we talk about the suicide squad 2021 um movie i kind of see this as a bit like mission impossible like you know we're just getting the next chapter but it's not a direct and a lot of those mission impossibles you can just kind of pick them up and go along with them mm-hmm. i know the last couple have been a bit joined up but up until more recently you they were standalone a bit like a bit like old school james bonds really so yeah. um birds of prey uh i i think there's there's problems with that movie firstly i don't think it should have been called a birds of prey i think it should have been called harley quinn um it was called harley quinn it was Birds of Prey and the Immaculate, what was it called? Uh, something, something. The Emancipation. Yeah, the Emancipation of Harley Quinn. It should have just been called Harley Quinn. Like, maybe featuring Birds of Prey. That's yeah. what it should have been called. It was not a Birds of Prey movie, in my mind. It was a Harley Quinn movie. That was its biggest problem. I liked the cast um, of Birds of Prey, but it was a Harley Quinn movie, and I think they should have owned that it was a Harley Quinn movie. I don't know why they decided to do a Birds of Prey movie and not really make it about the Birds of Prey. That was my thoughts. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm really bad... hoping that they do revisit that and give us a sequel. I don't think they're going to. Um, so, They've been uh, talking about Gotham City Sirens. So, I mean, we could still get the same characters, just not in a direct sort of sequel way well maybe we'll see yeah maybe we'll see a bit like this movie maybe it'll just be or maybe they'll just call it the birds of prey and hope that we don't notice that there was a terrible i wouldn't say birds of prey was terrible sorry but it wasn't as good as i think it could have been and i would love to have just seen a pure birds of prey movie so birds of prey was fantastic i enjoyed it very much oh no no i I actually enjoyed it i just wish they'd have owned it that it was a harley quinn movie not a birds of prey movie so um with birds of prey for me i loved the tone shift i also loved that this was the first r-rated film um in the dceu um and the fact that they fought for that r rating the the hard r i i really enjoyed it i i loved that it was it was dark without being as heavy as 
Suicide Squad or any of the Zack Snyder stuff. Like it, it still had very, you know, still having serious conversations about things and horrible things still happened. But the, the colors, the color palette for Birds of Prey was just so different than what DC had been doing before. So it to me, it injected this whole new sort of nuance and this whole new world almost into the DCEU. And to be quite honest, if we did not have Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey, we would not have had this version of Suicide Squad in 2021. I think I think Margot Robbie did an amazing job in Birds of Prey. I loved her narration and her comment, her just her comedy. And honestly, Margot Robbie's a fantastic actress. And in, I've seen her in other things, and she's been cool too. So, um, I, yeah, I prefer Birds of Prey a lot more than I did the 2016 version of Suicide Squad. But yeah, for sure. What, my only, like I say, my only criticism of the Birds of Prey film is I feel it was more of a Harley Quinn movie rather than a Birds of Prey movie. Mm-hmm. And I would like to have seen just a Birds of Prey movie if that's what. You know, that's kind of what we've been sold. Um, I, I would have equally been happy with just a Harley Quinn movie. Like, you know, I don't. I, I really love it, and I, I I want them to give Kathy Ann, who was the director of Birds of Prey, I want them to give her more stuff or more opportunities to keep telling these kinds of stories, because, like I said, I I think a lot of what we saw in the Suicide Squad in the 2021 film pulled from the visuals and the sort of storytelling mod and methods that they used in Birds of Prey. Um, We had the time skips in this Suicide Squad film. We had like the scene where Harley Quinn is like going on a rampage and all of a sudden all of these flowers just start like springing forth from behind her as like this backdrop to her massacre. Um, I just tonally those films are so, so connected to me. But at the same time, like I just, I want them to let Kathy Ann do more stuff. Like we don't, we don't have to have James Gunn in both the DCEU and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like he's already got franchises under his belt. Like let's, let's let someone else have a go. So talking about James Gunn, it's nice, nice uh, little bridge (laughs) there. So I think it's important to talk about James Gunn specifically, obviously the director and writer, but to talk about how we got to this movie. So, and I think it's important as well, because you can see James Gunn, his style and tone throughout the movie which we are going to get into he is the man behind Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2 and I think it's quite evident when you watch this movie how much of what he's done with Guardians of the Galaxy is injected into this movie he was fired as director of Guardians of the Galaxy um, for some inappropriate tweets Uh, we won't go into those now DC instantly hired him. I can imagine that was a like they were like, "What?" Uh, so, Guardians of the Galaxy. Let's be honest, was completely unknown characters, and just you know, people loved them, and you know, it, you know, no one knew Star Lord or Groot was or Rocket Raccoon or Gamora. And think how popular those two movies were. Mm-hmm. I know they had the connection of Marvel, but look what James Gunn did for those characters and. I think the general senses are that they loved movies. And so DC instantly hired him to write and direct Suicide Squad. I think Marvel probably inside were like, what have we done? And they <laughs> so they instantly rehired him. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know what that was because of, because there was a lot of pressure from fans, from the cast of Guardians of the Galaxy, or whether internally they thought, crap, DC's just hired him to do Suicide Squad. And we know how good he is at Marvel. 
I mean, you know, I don't know if that was the thing there that they just thought, crap, we better get him back, we better get him to finish off Guardians of the Galaxy. So the he, bottom line there is Marvel caved to the pressure and they mm. rehired him because of that pressure. Yeah. So they rehired him for Guardians of the Galaxy 3. And we also are going to get a Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. So, uh, <laughs> no, I, to be fair, I much prefer suicide, his Suicide Squad to any of the Guardians of the Galaxy films. You're looking forward to the holiday special, though? Nope. <laughs> I, Guard- I wanna... The Guardians of the Galaxy films would be uh, bottom feeders in my top 25 Marvel MCU films. Like they would be down there with Thor and Ant Man. I love number one. I love the number one. I didn't like number two too much, but I. I think number one was good. I really did enjoy number one, but I didn't like Ego, the planet, as sort of the villain <laughs> in number two. Um, I don't know. Like, I mean, Marvel's got a whole pool of villains and heroes to pull from. Ego is one of them. So now we've done that, hopefully they'll never use him again. Well, so I mean... <laughs> Unless Galactus gets hungry or something. So. <laughs> um, but no, I think Ego's gone anyway. So, but I think it's important to recognize how we got to James Gunn into this movie. Yes. Basically, um, DC got very, very, very lucky. It was a very, yeah. it was a series of unfortunate events, and DC capitalized. And I think Suicide Squad is a win in that regard for them. Okay, so quick. So now we're going to jump into the meat and bones of this review. So summary of the plot, just quickly: Amanda Waller sends in two teams to South uh, American island nation of uh, Corto Maltese. Uh, after, after his government is overthrown by an anti-American regime. Um, however, um, what, what they're there for is to remove evidence of the American government's involvement in Starro. So the two teams go in and one of them doesn't really do too well. So. Uh, that is an understatement. Team two walk in like a piece of cake yeah so team one get decimated team one was a distraction team yeah and we so... got you want to talk about an opening sequence good grief we got faces getting blown off people getting crushed by helicopters cut in half by helicopter blades i mean it was it was ridiculous the amount of carnage on that beach I think though that set the precedent for this movie though. Oh yeah, no, for sure. no one, no one is safe. Yes. So then Team Two obviously go in, and we follow Team Two throughout this movie. And actually, it'd be nice just to hear, Jasmine, what's your sort of summary thoughts and feelings of this movie? I really enjoyed this movie. This movie is one hundred percent in my wheelhouse. It is hyper violent. It is funny. It is. It doesn't take itself seriously. Um, it has some really great action set pieces, um, and it has the craziest, most ridiculous villain, yet everyone takes the villain seriously. And so it's kind of like, are you shitting me? We've got a giant starfish, like rampaging through a city and everybody is actually like playing their part to a T like, holy shit, we got to do something to get rid of this thing. Um, it was great. It was so fun. And it was so different again, very similar to birds of prey in, in how different it was from the tone of the rest of the DC films that we've been getting lately. Um, it is a complete 180 from anything that we've seen from Snyder. Um, his films are, are darker and definitely more serious. They kind of 
lack a little bit of spirit. Um, although they do still tell, like, I think Zack Snyder still is masterful at, at storytelling. Um, but this film was fun. Like I, I watched it on HBO max and sat on my couch and actually laughed out loud, which I hardly ever do. Like, even when I'm watching stuff that I love, like I rarely, rarely ever laugh out loud, but this movie to me was a laugh out loud funny. Um, just again, the ridiculousness of the character, the banter between the characters, like Rick Flagg actually had a personality versus the flat version of Rick Flagg that we got in the first film. Uh, Harley Quinn is about the same. Wouldn't expect anything less. She's very consistent over those the th- three films that she's been in so far. And the addition of all of the new characters. Um, and it, at first you think like, oh man, this is a lot of, this is, this is bigger than an ensemble cast. Like, how are they going to make all of these people work together? <laughs> they make it work because they get rid of half of them in the first 15 minutes. But like the characters that stick around, all of the new characters, the interaction is so great. All of them have really good chemistry and they bounce off of each other really well. And there's one scene, again, hyper-violent, but there's the scene where Bloodsport and Peacemaker are running through the jungle and they're in the guerrilla camp and they're killing all of the freedom fighters and they don't realize that they're killing the freedom fighters, but they're also competing with each other while they're killing all of these fighters, like keeping score, they, who has the best type of bullets, who's got the best kill. Um, so it's just, it's, it was so much fun. It was, it was, again, it, this, this movie was like my taste to a T. So I, yeah, I absolutely loved it. I agree with you. I I actually went back and I didn't watch the whole of the 2016 version before this review, but I watched about the first 15, 20 minutes just to kind of remind myself a little bit of the style of that movie because it's been so long since I've seen it and to remind myself of that style going into this. And honestly, there's like two different yep. movies, like two Completely different, different. I mean, I know that without Harley di- Quinn, it almost feels like they're not even the same people. Yeah, I mean, I, I get what you're saying though about Rick Flag because the Rick Flag in the first movie was a bit sort of a bit of a dick, and yeah. So this this movie though was completely tone tonal. Uh, t- the tone between both movies was completely different. Yep. Um, I, I think this one this is tone. a huge upgrade. Yeah, I think what what was done was we kind of like although we have an alien, like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's kind of to me, which sounds weird, more a lot more grounded. Um, yeah. and 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 although that we have the crazy moments like Nathan Fillion's TDK arms coming <laughs> off and stuff like that, it's it, it it doesn't it kind of does fit in with yeah. the movie. Like it's not out of proportion to everything else that's going on. I just I really do the general style of this movie is brilliant. And although I would say the plot of it isn't isn't life changing. No, not at all. Um, it, it is. <laughs> I actually think it is well done because it's not an overly complicated plot. And that's where sometimes. Yes, and that's what's can, brilliant about it. But that's where sometimes some movies can go wrong with trying to have a complex yep. plot. And actually, no, it's not a complex plot. Nope. The movie is actually about having fun. Yes. I mean, it's it's got that whole kind of Deadpool vibe about it, about it yes. laughing about violence. Like, yeah. um, you know, you really you shouldn't be laughing about violence. But you know, I think you have to accept, look, we're laughing about fictitious violence we're not right this is definitely the kind of like leave your brain at the door of the theater before you go inside and just sit down and enjoy the film for what it is don't read too much into it 
I definitely there's so, so much about how I mean, we'll talk about the structure in a minute but I enjoy the overall structure of the movie how it's mm-hmm. put together uh, from start to finish I just I watched the whole thing and I just absolutely loved it from and it was just I, I'm not bothered that there was a previous movie like it you know yeah. I'm not one of these people who are like oh you know I don't like because I mean although you could say this is a soft reboot it's it's a bit again coming to that Mission Impossible James Bond type thing. You know, yeah, we just pick we're just picking up the next movie. You don't need to watch the next one. Right. Um, What's fun is that they still use some of the characters, but at the same time, you don't have to know. Like you, if you had never seen the the film in 2016, you lose nothing. No. Like there, there's no loss think, think, to watch this film. I think in some ways you kind of gain a little bit because they do carry over some of those characters. So, yeah. um, and I think you know, to have Harley Quinn carry over and Rick Flagg carry over. And they were some of my favorites from the movie before, even though Rick Flagg is slightly changed from yeah. the last movie. Um, he pulled that like stick out of his ass, that's for sure. But I do love the actor though, especially because I, I love the, the first thing I ever saw him in was The Killing. Yes. And I, I love The Killing. Did, yeah. you, did you ever watch The Killing? Yes, it was so good. Oh, it was, it was so good. I think, you know, whenever that actor's in anything, even if it's something rubbish like Robocop, I, I still... <laughs> Robocop was a bad film. Uh, the remake, I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> so that was unfortunately a bad choice for him. But uh, everything else that he's in, I, I absolutely love. And so I, I was quite, I was glad that they carried him over and Amanda Waller over as well. And I'm glad that James Dun- James Gunn didn't recast people. So yes. um, let's talk about the characters. So, All right. So many to choose from. Before you, before we jump into the characters, I posted on Instagram top, Top, top who were people's top threes everybody I mean, had one person the same yeah yeah so no nostalgia though were very jokey they they said them easily the most influential characters for me were weasel blackguard and tdk i think there was some humor in that comment so, yes for sure um <laughs> the three characters uh, um, that literally do nothing in the uh, whole film. The po- so the podcast for Nerds by Nerds, they said their three favourites were King Shark, Bloodsport, and Ratcatcher 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fable from One Collection Down said Bloodsport, Peacemaker, and King Shark. Mm-hmm. Um, Noticing Nerba a trend. Word, yeah, Nerba Word said Ratcatcher 2, King Shark, and Bloodsport. <laughs> um, you wrote yours on there, which was King Shark, <laughs> Polka Dot Man, and Sebastian. Uh, <laughs> an unusual choice, that last one. The ah, Brothers Sebastian in Arms. was so cute. The Brothers in Arms podcast, uh, Brothers in Arm Chairs, sorry, podcast said King Shark, Polka Dot Man, and Peacekeeper, uh, Peacemaker, sorry. Um, and then uh, somebody wrote one where you can decipher there are seven survivors in this picture, and my three favorites are among these. That was cartoon. <laughs> so uh, Thomas Jason 89 said Rick Flag, The Thinker, and Bloodsport. Um, we've got We've got issues. Comic store said Polka Dot Man, Ratcatcher, and Peacemaker. Uh, and Nick from Original Geek Comics said King Shark, Peacemaker, and Ratcatcher too. There's generally a lot of King Shark. A lot of shark love, man. A lot of shark love. Yeah, King Shark is getting a lot there. Peacemaker comes out a lot. Ratcatcher two comes up a lot. Um, Pokemon, uh, Pokemon, Polka Dot Man <laughs> com- comes up occasionally. But yeah, um, Bloodsport occasionally too so yeah but so who are yours then if you've read off between, all of those it's between Bloodsport, peacemaker king shark really um rat catcher too i would say i actually 
I would say I loved Bloodsport. I thought, I mean, mm-hmm. who, who doesn't love Idris Elba in anything anyway? But he really did own the character of Bloodsport. Yeah. I I criticised John Cena a lot during Fast 9, and I really did enjoy him as Peacekeeper. Uh, peacekeeper peacemaker. Sorry, I keep saying Peacekeeper. Peacemaker. I actually Didn't thought, I tell you that if you gave him a chance, his comedic timing was freaking gold? Oh, yeah. His, he, he, his, role, his role in this movie as Peace... peace uh, Peacemaker, struggling with his name, <laughs> um, was so day and night to Fast Nine. Mm-hmm. I honestly, in Fast Nine, he was awful, but in this, really good. And actually, I want to go with Ratcatcher too. I really liked Ratcatcher too. She oh, really yeah. appealed to me. Like, yeah. really, like, was like the heart of this movie. She so, was well. She was like the heart of the team too. Yeah, yeah, the heart of the team, the heart yeah. of the movie. But I love the the interaction between Idris Elba um, mm-hmm. and John Cena. That, and like you mentioned earlier, that scene where they're killing those people, but <laughs> also having a good time about it while yes. they're doing it, and yes. like kind of like you know that that like when when Idris Elba said no, that doesn't count that one, and he's like no no, no wait yeah. like, wait for exploding up. bullets yeah like <laughs> I, those three have got to be like my favorites. Oh, it's hard to it's hard not to love King Shark too to be honest. I mean so. he's just so sweet like. like he's such a good guy like she i don't know he made friends and then you don't eat your friends okay like that's just the bottom that's the top rule like you don't eat your friends okay but that was right catcher though like right catcher like did say no come on you know you don't eat your friends but Mm -hmm. um and it's crazy to think that sylvester stallone was was the voice of king shark i had no idea like i had no idea not until literally we started recording this podcast and i was like what what? But like, what's crazy? Because so, Sylvester Stallone has a minor role in Guardians of the Galaxy Two, which says again a lot about James Gunn that people want to carry on working with this guy. Oh, like, yeah. And you know, James Gunn puts his brother in everything because his brother Sean Gunn played Weasel. <laughs> Weasel. <laughs> uh, so, um, anyway, so yeah, those are my my three favorites was Bloodsport, Peacemaker, and Ratcatcher Two. So yeah. I'm sticking with mine with King Shark, Polka Dot Man, and Sebastian. Oh, yeah, but then by proxy, maybe Ratcatcher. So. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I did like her. I liked her a lot. But uh, Sebastian, I, I don't know. I like very cute rodents. I can't help it. Like, So of the many deaths in the movie, was there any that you were particularly disappointed by and wish hadn't have happened? Did, like, Absolutely. James Gunn have that trigger? Like yeah. just one, one yeah. of the many. Yeah, uh, Rick Flagg. Yeah, I, I I was surprisingly disappointed by Rick Flag for sure. I, they did a lot to redeem Rick Flag in this yeah. movie, and I they shouldn't have killed Rick Flag off. Um, yeah, I kind of expected a lot of people to die. I think after Rick Flag, my second like most disappointing like, oh man, I wish he had made Polka it. Man. Polka Dot Polka Man, Polka yeah. yeah, just like that one line, like I'm a motherfucking superhero, and then he gets like killed immediately. <laughs> so great uh, though. I mean, well timed in terms yeah, yeah. of 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 the direction and writing you know yeah. you're like yeah 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 pokemon suddenly suddenly pokemon pokemon poke dot man <laughs> fucking pokemon like poke dot man goes from being like the joke character to actually right. being badass like yeah. and, and the that's the thing got... like when i started this film i was i was for sure like i had already just predetermined like poke dot man is gonna be my least favorite and he turned out to be one of my favorite characters and especially the scene like when that citadel is coming down and uh or jotunheim the hell they name it Jotunheim I have no idea but Jotunheim when it's coming down and he's like oh my god they killed Milton (laughs) Bloodsport and Harley are like well Bloodsport is like Milton was still with us and Harley is like who the hell is Milton oh man that that scene made me laugh so hard 
And like, yeah, that scene where he's like gone about our oh, Milton, like, blah, blah, yeah. blah, yeah, like, and like, and it, oh, honestly, Harley Quinn, though, is just so good. Oh, to be honest, I know I just said a minute ago, I just missed Harley Quinn off my top three, but <laughs> Harley, Quinn as, Harley Quinn as well, though, like, Margaret Robbie was amazing in this movie. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, for the character death, disappointed by, I think Rick Flag, I'd have to agree with you that, yeah, although I, I didn't. I felt bad that Polka Dot Man got killed off the moment he starts to become like I'm a hero. Like yeah. you see that sort of redemption arc and then gets killed off. Rick Flag to me should never have been killed off. Yeah, like and that the- to me that came out of nowhere. I was like, are you seriously? Like, yeah, seriously. And the, the fact that as well that they made um, Peacekeeper, um, Peacemaker, sorry, fuck's sake, Peacemaker be the one to do it as well, which yeah. we'll talk about Peacemaker in a bit, but like the fact that they made him do it. It well, it made sense because he's actually probably I would say he's the most sadistic of all of the people in the group because he literally told one of the characters he's like, I am interested in peace. And if I have to kill men, women, children to get peace, like I don't care. I'll kill whoever I need to kill for peace. And they just looked at him like that's not really how peace works, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um so do you have any thoughts on the characters that kind of crossed over from this first movie to the second movie? I think you mentioned Rick Flag earlier about the character change between the two of them, but yeah. any any other thoughts? So obviously we had Harley Quinn come over, Boomerang, um, Amanda So I would Waller. say I was disappointed with Amanda Waller. Um, I actually thought that she was absolutely perfect in the first film because to me, the wall has always been the character that is very, very like, this is how I'm going to do things. I don't give a shit what anybody else thinks. Uh, and she played that part perfectly in the first film. But in this film, it almost felt like James Gunn didn't know how to utilize an actual serious character because I don't think that there's very much humor in Amanda Waller to begin with. Um, so to turn her into sort of the butt of the jokes, uh, it just, it, it didn't feel right. And so I, I didn't really like any of the scenes that she was, except for when she's walking through the prison, like putting the team together and introducing everybody to each other. That scene was really great. But the scenes in the controls, control room or the command center, um, I just didn't feel like that that was very Amanda Waller-esque behavior. Just me. Uh, firstly, I, I like the fact that he did carry characters over. Mm-hmm. Um, I like and characters and actors, that there yeah. wasn't any recasting. Um, I, I like the fact that we had. Uh, I, I was really pleased that Rick Flag came over. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. we said he was bitten off by his death. But I like the fact that Rick Flag came across. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that the difference between the two of them, where in the first movie he was very critical of a Suicide Squad, mm-hmm. but in this movie it was like guns blazing. Yep. You know, he was kind of team leader. You know, and I love the moment between him and Weasel where. Well, Weasel with the team where he's like... Nobody know, checked to see if Weasel could swim? <laughs> and um, <laughs> But the big differences between the two of them were, were just day and night. I mean, yeah. same actor, same character, but the way it was played and, again, directed, just mm-hmm. clear, clear differences. Um, Harley Quinn, again, being carried over, I was amazing. I think that was brilliant. I was a bit disappointed, though, that they killed Boomerang off so fast. Yeah, that um, came... To me, that was a surprise, yeah, for sure. So uh, other than Harley Quinn, most of them, um, I know Amanda Waller, to me, she feels like she's kind of now been sidelined for any potential sequels. Like they kind of, unless she's going to be really peed and go after them or something like that. But anyway. Well, she might like, be in the Peace, Peacemaker series. 
well, yeah, I guess we'll see, yeah. But um, but the fact that they killed off Boomerang um, mm-hmm. and Rick Flag, and, you know, kind of wiped out a load of other characters. I know that they were a lot of them were new, new for this movie, mm-hmm. but it kind of like felt like that James Gunn was kind of wiping the slate clean a little bit. So, yeah. Um, so, but yeah, let's kind of talk about Deadshot and um, Bloodsport. So originally Edris Silva was supposedly going to be recast as Deadshot. Um, it kind of makes me wonder though, whether somebody more senior said, no, 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 let's not recast just in case Will Smith wants to come back. No, I think they they never said that they were going to recast Will Smith's character. They said well, that was like they the brought Idris Elba on. Yeah, but they didn't say what they were what role he was going to be. It was yeah. like Will Smith is leaving, but Idris Elba is coming on for the sequel. And so everybody implied like, oh, he's just going to take over as Deadshot. But later they finally announced that he was going to be a totally different character, which was definitely the right move. Well, yeah, a whole new character, which basically does the same thing as Deadshot. <laughs> so, um, so to me, it felt like that was meant to be Deadshot. Uh, and then because Will Smith didn't want to come back. So if they were to make a another movie, would you like to see Will Smith come back? No, I'm happy with Bloodsport. So, no, 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 no. I don't mean like to get rid of Bloodsport. Like, oh, like just to, to have, have Deadshot back? Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, yeah, like, if you've already killed off Rick Flag and that kind of thing. Although I don't know how that would work with with two sort of leaders in, well, no, we'll in talk, the group. I know we'll, we'll talk about the movie, the ending and stuff actually at the end of this review, but my thoughts were how it ends. Could Amanda Waller put together another suicide score with Deadshot to go after Bloodsport? That's kind of what. Oh, interesting. It could be. That's kind of, yeah, that kind of was could my thought. Be. But um, yeah, to pit to pit like sniper against sniper, pretty much. That that would be a cool cool follow up. So yeah. Um, in terms of the structure of this movie, like what what were your thoughts in what just the script and and honestly for me, I laughed so many times throughout this movie. Yeah. Like, and that didn't happen the first time. No, around. no, the first movie is not funny. Like there there are parts <laughs> whoa, whoa. in the first film. It's funny, but not the right not the right kind <laughs> of thing. <laughs> Like there are parts in the first film, but I think that has a lot more to do with the actors because most of the funny parts happen between Will Smith and Margot Robbie, uh, yeah. not necessarily like on purpose. Um, so for the structure, I I was a little confused at the beginning because we were jumping between present day and three days ago or five days ago or however many days. Like we were we were time jumping at the very beginning. And so but also that happened again later on as well. Yeah. So, so it, it, that part did get a little bit confusing, especially because like, I'm pretty sure there was one part where like, of course, this is all a trick to fool the audience. And it, it at least it works on me, like where on the beach, it looks like a missile goes right into the little hidey hole where Rick flag and Harley Quinn are. So I just assumed that the whole team was dead. And then late five minutes later, like we see Rick Flag going one way in the jungle and Harley Quinn going another way in the jungle. And I was like, I thought you guys just got blown up. Um, so it was it was a little confusing at the very beginning. Um, other than that, I really enjoyed it. Um, the pacing was great. Could it have been a little bit shorter? Yes. I think that there were some parts that did drag on a little too long. Like some of those family guy scenes where it's just like, okay, we get the joke. We get it. Can we move on? Um, I'd say it probably could have been like 20 minutes shorter. Um, but the writing the this cast was utilized to perfection. 
you had the actors that could carry the comedy, but could also do all of these heavy action sequences as well. And to be able to pull that out of them was, was done really well. So I loved the pacing. I loved the story. I loved the dialogue. It just felt like if you're going to have a squad of literal prisoners that you use to your own benefit, the least you could do is let them have a little fun along the way. And I think that this movie does exactly that as opposed to taking people out of prison and putting them on this, you know, on this super heavy, super serious, like world altering mission. Um, Cause there's just, there's almost no fun at all in the first suicide squad film. And this one is yes. Like if I'm reading something called the suicide squad, I'm assuming that you guys are like a last resort. Um, and so this definitely felt like a team of last resort type people. It kind of reminded me of, which is another sort of DC offshoot film called the losers which also starred Idris Elba, who is Idris Elba, Elba yeah. um, and Jeffrey Dean Morgan, Chris Evans, uh, Zoe Saldana. Love that film. And this this Suicide Squad reminded me a lot of The Losers. Yeah, actually, it did make me think of The Losers. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that film as well. Yeah. Uh, who can love Idris Elba again in another movie? <laughs> right. So I think, I think for me, this movie felt like a combination of scenes mm-hmm. put together. That's kind of how it was structured. It was moving from one scene to another. Yeah, yeah I, not it was not fluid. Yeah, and it wasn't... And for me, if I could cut something out, it would be the whole weird scene of Margot Robbie getting put in a dress, meeting this future president guy, <laughs> suddenly going to be his wife, her killing him... That whole thing was just so weird and unnecessary. That was I, my favorite Harley Quinn scene. Oh, just I love the bit where she escapes. I love that bit, and there's all colors and birds flying everywhere, and she's got the uh, the staff and flicking everywhere. That whole escape scene was brilliant. I just didn't really see the need for her to meet this guy and become his wife and then i uh, loved it because she was the one that said look i made a promise to myself that i'm not going to do this again i'm not going to fall for a toxic man again and the fact that like after that whole sequence she just shot him in the gut like without hesitation or anything like that bit was unexpected like but it was so great i i did i did i that as soon as like it got quiet i was like she is going to kill this man like this is (laughs) this is what she's going to do and i was right um but no, I loved it because I thought that it showed growth of her character from the Birds of Prey film. How, you know, mm. she's coming off this breakup with Joker. She finally realized that he was toxic and not good for her. And then she finds this other guy. And at first she's like, oh my God, I'm going to be like the princess of this country or whatever. Um, and then he starts talking all this bullshit. And she's like, mm, I, prom- I made a promise to myself. And you got some serious red flags when you're talking about murdering women and kids. So uh, just going to go ahead and nix this like before it ever gets off the ground. I loved it. I just thought the whole scene, like where she was in the prison, I, I think maybe some of it could have been edited, altered a little bit. I just didn't like getting her out of the mud hut prison thingy, put, putting her in a dress, and she's like, oh, I'm a princess. It kind of just felt a little bit like out of place, that kind of moment. Although mm-hmm. I do love the bit where she's like, yeah, I'm going to look out for myself. I'm not going to be with yeah. some crazy man boyfriend anymore. I did like that bit in terms of, but I, I kind of felt like we could have done 
with less with the dress and the makeup because it kind of I to me didn't really suit the rest of the film because the rest of the film was just so aggressive and <laughs> violent and quite comical and then we had this weird sort of scene stuck in the middle to me where she's putting a dress and a bit of makeup I kind of that to me I, I would maybe edit it a little bit um but other than that I actually really loved everything that we got in this movie and you know I've heard some criticisms about the length of time I'm quite happy with it. Like, I don't really. I mean, see... I didn't. I didn't feel it. I, I just think I that there were some like like you didn't like that Harley scene. There, the scene in Jotunheim where it's kind of falling apart, and we're literally like falling floor by floor by floor by like we didn't. We we get it. Like the building is coming down. We don't really need to go floor by floor. I think that was done to be funny. Yeah, but see, I don't. I'm not a fan of that kind of humor, and that's why I said it's like the Family Guy humor, where like that bit yeah. where Peter like hurts his knee and he's just like. And it just goes on for like five minutes and you're like, fuck, we get it. Like your knee hurts. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> um, so James Gunn in the first movie, in, in the first movie, in Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2, extremely well known for his his music. <laughs> and there's a lot of, the, like, if, so I was thinking about this. So the first Suicide Squad embraced a lot of hip hop. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't get any of that in, in like this movie. Um, but we've got, you know, there's a lot of music that's used in here, like the, the Jim Carroll band, the people who died at the beginning of the movie, where obviously loads of people died. Uh, I thought that was quite, quite well timed, like music. Um, and just like, I think it was uh, Ain't Nobody, Ain't, Ain't Got Nobody was played as well, where, where Harley Quinn's breaking her way out. Uh, I thought the music was used really well during this movie. And it wasn't, I think with the difference between Guardians of the Galaxy and this movie is that Guardians of the Galaxy was you, the music was used as part of the plot for Peter Quill. Cause mm-hmm. that was like, you know, volume, volume that was him holding on to his mom. Yeah. Like his mom. So the, the music for this wasn't used for any character development. It was just purely just used for entertainment for the audience. So, I mean, did anything jump out about the music for you during watching this? I, I liked it. I thought it was a lot of fun how it was used. Um, I don't think I paid much attention after the sequence where Viola Davis is recruiting Michael Rooker to be part of the Suicide Squad. And in that sequence at the beginning where she's pulling him out of prison and putting him onto this squad, they play Folsom Prison Blues by Johnny Cash, <laughs> uh, which oh, yeah, was yeah. super, super appropriate, I thought. Um so that was the that was pretty much the only time that I paid attention to to the music. Otherwise, I was totally engrossed in like what was going on on screen. Occasionally, the music would pull me out. Like when the music was on, like I definitely felt that James Gunn had used some really, I think some really unique song choices that did kind of pull me out of the movie. Which mm-hmm. you could actually say is that a good thing, really, if it pulls you out of the movie and it's making you want to check what you're listening to. So. Um, I don't know. It's probably people's preference. Some people love that kind of stuff. Some people don't. But there was, like I say, there was a couple of times I was like, "Whoa, what is this song?" Like, yeah. and then, but then, is that a good thing if you're suddenly been pulled out of the movie and you want to know what you're listening to rather than what you're watching? So I guess that's just down to preference. I liked the music that was used, and I, I there was probably many other songs like you just said. You got, I was more engrossed in the movie most of the time, but there yeah. was a couple of unique <clears throat> song choices that did definitely pull me out and mm-hmm. make me want to like Shazam it and find out what I was listening to. Yeah. Um, so, but I think it was good. I, I think I prefer the soundtrack for this versus the original. Oh, so. yeah. 
I mean, I'm not anti. I, I well, love although I'm I, not, I, gonna, I, I did love that Lamborghini song. Oh yeah, no, no, I love, I, no, I, lo- I love that Lamborghini song. I honestly used to listen to that song like loads. Yeah, but I would say that more music from this movie jumped out at me than the original movie. Yeah, well, I think that this movie just had more classics, which oh, yeah. which is sort of James. It's very typical style. James Gunn. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, his style, yeah. So that's what I mean. You can see his. Yeah. Sort of, you can definitely yeah. feel his influence on the film all throughout. Yeah. Yeah, and I I completely agree though. Lamborghini from the original was yeah. brilliant, but <laughs> so um, production, money, CGI, location, great, great, my... A plus, all of it, loved it. I mean, I mean, they brought it. a freaking starfish kaiju to life. It was and, it was great. And what I love about King Shark though is I know he's CGI, but it doesn't feel CGI. He like... looked better than Killer Croc. Oh yeah, and yeah. Now I love the actor who played Killer Croc, but like the his his makeup because they use practical makeup, it was just it just I don't know it didn't it didn't present as well as it could have with Killer Croc. So with King Shark, they just went full CGI, and it just I don't know it just looked so much better. I think the CGI was was top notch in this movie. Like yeah. even Starro like destroying buildings and everything yeah. like that um honestly like nothing here made me like question its reality like right. i think it was done so well even down to the little sebastian the rat oh, you know sebastian like, was so cute okay sebastian want, was so cute you want your own sebastian now don't you i do my, <laughs> my family would kill me if i got a pet rat though <laughs> no i don't mean like a real one there must be oh, like a sebastian no like... i would totally have a pet rat I would. Like a Geeks Unleashed rat. <laughs> I'll put a little Geeks Unleashed saddle on him, like what's or a jacket on him, like Sebastian had. <laughs> Either that, or I could get a pet snake. It could be a Geeks Unleashed snake. Yeah. Do you know what? I cannot find? I've quickly googled it. You can, I can't find a Sebastian. However. Um, there is a rat catcher too with Sebastian Pop coming out. Oh, okay, I'm gonna need that. I'm gonna need that. So the rat catcher two, we're completely deviated from the movie right now, but the <laughs> rat catcher two pop does have the mask on that she wore at the end, like yeah. the sort of the gas mask thing, holding um in her hand a tiny little rat. I need it. I think that'd be quite cute. So it's I not out it. yet. It's not out yet. You can pre-order it. Listen, guys, Christmas is coming up. You know, you could send some geeks, uh, some some gifts. We we like gifts. We could we could do that. I would love a rat catcher to go with my pops collection. If you want to hit us up, like, <laughs> DM, DM us. DM us. Yeah. We have no PO box. I don't know what we'll do. Meet, meet us on the corner of uh, yeah, Fifth and, uh, <laughs> Fifth and La Brea. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Anyway, somewhere in Houston. We'll, we'll tell you a place. Yeah. <laughs> Show up. Leave uh, the pop, and then leave. <laughs> you could send it to your favorite coffee shop or something like that. Like, oh, maybe maybe we should get a PO box for Houston and London. Hey, um, we could. Yeah, or just send us the money and we'll buy it. Um, yep. so we'll order ourselves. Yeah, put, put the money in our Ko-Fi and tell us what to use it for. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. If you want to buy us a Sebastian Pop, yes, uh, you can drop us some cash on Ko-Fi. We'll buy yep. the Sebastian Pop. No, it's not Sebastian. The Ratcatcher Pop. The Ratcatcher Two Pop. Yep. And then Jasmine will have the pleasure of. I will do it. an unboxing and I will dedicate it completely to you. And it will go next to all of the rest of the pops that I have. 
So back on to <laughs> let's just let's just jump to the end of the movie now. Oh so, my god! So yeah, seriously. So thoughts on the end of the movie? So that massive sequence at the end, that whole fight scene, or oh, with Starro, and we're down to our sort of last sort of five team team force yeah. x you know suicide squad members what should what's that that scene was fucking amazing like that yeah. whole movie just that whole bit uh what we've been building up to actually was just so good like the, you know i said it was kind of moving from one scene to another scene to another scene and it it struggled i think in terms of some flow a little bit throughout the movie mm-hmm. but the last sort of 20 minutes versus starro were just hilarious yes. <laughs> and although like we said it was kind of we had that kind of fight scene between um john cena and idris elba and um uh obviously rick flag you know all those all those characters at the end and then it kind of really cleverly goes straight into the star battle yeah um i love the fact that harley had that staff throughout the whole movie and she it's finally a javelin a purpose. javelin yeah but she finally finds a purpose for it <laughs> yes like the whole movie and like and actually to go back to that beginning when she gets that javelin and he dies as he's going you need and, to, and then i thought she was going to be nice kind of puts her hand over and suddenly slaps his and face. then she slaps the shit out of him and she's like do what do what with it <laughs> and then everybody like all the guards run around her and like they're like gonna arrest her and she's like he just died he's gonna tell me what's what to do with it like, and I, that's actually again why i love harley so much but yeah. so that that whole sequence at the end though like when everyone's fighting starro it's so funny and brilliant at the same time but i love how they're taking it seriously fighting starro yes so it's not you could kind of think starro might be a joke character but they were using starro so well so now there was like a justice league or batman beyond episode way back in the early 2000s where starro had actually taken over the justice league and so I didn't I didn't know that Starro was the like villain for this film. I guess I just hadn't been paying attention. I knew that yeah, I didn't it was an alien. I knew that. Uh, but I didn't know it was Starro. So like when I first saw, I was like, oh my God, they're doing like that episode from Justice League where um where he takes over the Justice League. So I, I thought it was cool that they pulled from like a villain that had those kinds of abilities to sort of do the brainwashing or the or the um to sort of take it over people's bodies. Um, yeah, I, it was outrageous and it was completely over the top and it was so far out in left field, but like we had already been an hour and 40 minutes into the movie. And it was like, listen, at this point, I'm, I mean, I'm all in, like I, I am with, I'm with you till the end of the line as Captain America would say. Uh, so like by the time we got to the big battle with Starro at the end, I'm like, yeah, hell yeah. Look, there's a giant freaking starfish trash in this city. And all of his little starfish minions are like attacking the civilians of this town. Sure. I buy it. And then like rats swimming in the fluid behind the eye. Yeah. I, I buy that too. Sure. Well, and I, I love the fact that they actually rebelled against Amanda Waller and that was kind of yeah. like their hero, their hero moment. Yeah. So the suicide squad, they're kind of like, I wouldn't say they're anti-heroes. They they are villains, like, but they do have some hero qualities to them, which is why they, which right. is part of probably why they signed up as well. Yes, they get a bit off their term of their prison sentence, but ultimately these guys, other than the first team, which like either got killed or, but I think that's that's how like they weed out the the bad seeds, right? Like yeah. you pick these villains and then some villains are always going to be like villains. 
So you kind of get rid of them and then it's the problem sort of solves itself. So I think naturally the squad just kind of falls and the people that are left are the people that actually do have some good in them. And what I love at the end is that they go against Amanda Waller and even Amanda Waller's people go against Amanda Waller yeah. because they can see the overall good here is that suicide, the suicide squad are going to save the day, kill Starro. Yeah. Um, but what I love is how um, Bloodsport gets the hard drive with the evidence of the US government's involvement in Starro from, from the sort of the space space race yeah uh, and then uses it against amanda waller for their freedom and you know kind of and but what i love is how she said i told you i'd make you into a leader yes i did and like so, that and I, like and how he has now become a leader like yeah. so and he does turn to harley quinn saying yeah i know that rick flag wanted to release it to the public but you know we've saved the city and the world kind of thing you know we can't do everything <laughs> Like, yeah, they, they've used it to negotiate their freedom, really, which is completely different. Um, had they released it to the public, Amanda Waller probably would have. They'd still the be pawns, in. yeah. Well, 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 she, well even or she'd explode pawns. their heads, yeah. Yeah, probably explode their heads. So they get to live another day. So that kind of that's what I said earlier was it, the way it's kind of left is that a sequel potentially would happen with Bloodsport and Harley Quinn um, being out and loose. Mm-hmm. So that's why I was wondering, do you think if they made a sequel, could we get Will Smith coming back and he gets sent off after Bloodsport? This is just fanboying here now. Like, you know, this may I never think it, if this film, I mean, and so far I think it is doing better, but if this film tracks better than the first film, I could see Will Smith coming back to the franchise. Yes. But I think there's... There I don't is, think he wanted to come back because it didn't do too well. So I think his ego yeah. kind of got in the way of coming back. Well, but um, I mean, I can't... I don't blame him for that. Like, oh, no, I don't blame him. Yeah. I don't blame him for that. But um, I think if he'd have come back and, and been in this, I think he probably would have been pleasantly surprised by its general reaction and how well it's been doing. So yeah. I think it's difficult to track how well it's doing financially because, you know... It's Between HBO Max and theatres, yeah. Well, yeah. And, and covid the current times we're living in had it have been released say three years ago it probably would have been a massive success so yeah. or maybe in three years time so um so who knows but post well so we kind of have two sequences we have one after the titles kind of come up before well sorry at the start of the titles where weasel is magically alive <laughs> I mean, that made me. That I made just me want laugh. somebody to tell me the point of that character. Like, what? <laughs> what did he? What did you put him on the squad to do? What? What does he do? I don't what know. I want to know. Like, well, I, I guess know. It, maybe so. so it, uh, hopefully, he'll be in the next film. Like, because I, I need to know. Maybe he eats people. Maybe. Well, know. apparently, Rick Flag said he killed twenty-seven kids. Oh, uh, maybe he's children. Oh, uh, which is. <laughs> Well, but he said they eat kids, so um, hopefully they, they were obviously hoping that he was going to eat the soldiers. But Maybe, I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, that was a weird character to put in. For sure. Obviously, again, done for comedy factor. Yes, of um, course, for no other reason. Yeah, and at the end of the movie, we get a little um, uh, teaser. Which, which tricked me for a second because I completely forgot about the Peacemaker series. So when they were like, oh, yeah, we pulled him out of the rubble and we we're surprised that his heart was still beating. I was like, oh, yes, Rick Flagg is still alive. And then it was oh, no, John no, no, Cena. Not... And I was like, God damn it. I was really hoping it was Rick 
flag too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was John Cena. Again, yeah. I did enjoy John Cena in this movie, but I was hoping. Yeah, but I completely survived. forgot about the spinoff. He didn't. So it's obviously leading into the Peacemaker spinoff. Yes. And I wonder if we have a Suicide Squad 2, whether we would have Peacemaker back or not, like whether we'd have the series, then Peacemaker comes back into number two, uh, number three, sorry. Who knows what will happen? So um, I just wanted to ask a question, though. Like, if this was a Marvel movie, you'd be like, you know, when we talked about Black Widow, so we were like, mm-hmm. how does this fit in with the MCU? Yeah. <laughs> With this movie, like, I know they've just said, oh, yeah, we're going to have a Peacemaker spinoff. But at this point, does anyone care if this fits in with the DCE? <laughs> no. Uh, they, I think they established the connection in the first Suicide Squad, which was fine, having Batman and Joker and, and that kind of thing. Superman's death was addressed and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, that's fine. But Suicide Squad is sort of like DC's introduction into the outrageous whereas all the other stuff had been really grounded up until then like batman was grounded uh the justice league was grounded i mean of course you know you've got the kryptonians that attack in man of steel but at the same time they're still sort of humanoid aliens so it was not quite as fantastical and and the suicide squad kind of blows that wide open and now you've got room to introduce all of the plethora of random and very odd dc villains like who know like we got brainiac so maybe we'll get a, a live action gorilla grod you know maybe we'll get some i don't know it just it opens the door to more characters because mm. they have introduced all of the weird ones so far um so i i think i appreciate that that's what they're using suicide squad to do so if it's all sort of related i think that's great um, now, do I expect to see any of those weird fantastical characters in this Robert Pattinson Batman film that's coming out next year? No. Well, no, but no. That, that Robert Pattinson movie's set on a different Earth, so yeah, that wouldn't be that wouldn't be connected to this. Um, but I have heard potentially, like if there was another Aquaman movie, mm-hmm. King Shark could potentially be in that yeah. because that that's all within the shared. DCEU. That mm-hmm. Robert Pattinson Batman is a completely separate, like not like. Imagine it as an alternate earth. So, yeah. Um, well, I mean, Flashpoint is supposed to be playing with the multiverse. So, hey, you never know. Yeah. Oh, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe Robert Pattinson's Batman will be the only Batman. <laughs> Who knows what will happen? Yeah. Um, oh, anyway, I, I, do you know what? Flashpoint and the Spider- third Spider Man movie are becoming the two annoying movies for me. Just get on with them. Stop teasing them. Just release them. Like, or give <laughs> us a bloody, or give us a bloody trailer. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, what would you rate this movie out of five? Four and a half. Do, do you know what? I was going to go four and a half. Like, and I half. was like playing it with my mind. I was like, I was thinking if I was to rate Suicide Squad the first one, it would be somewhere between a two. one and a two. Yeah. Right? And I thought this one is definitely like got massive progression. Yes. And I enjoyed this one a hell of a lot more. I laughed. Yep. I didn't cry, but I, you know, but no, there were no tears. <laughs> I, I probably cried during the first one. So, like, so, but no, I definitely enjoyed this a lot more. This is a massive jump up yeah the previous one well see last week when we were on the he-man episode that's what we were talking about with the he-man film from 1987 it's like it, it doesn't matter what fantastical realm you're in if you establish the ground rules at the beginning of the film then i can buy into whatever it is you're selling 
if if we're on Eternia, I'm buying into Eternia. Now we're leaving Eternia. We're going to Earth. Okay, I've already bought into the magic and the phasers. I've bought into everything. And with this second Suicide Squad film, that's exactly what it does. It sets the precedent at the very beginning of the film. And it's like laid out the ground rules. And so by the time, like, again, by the time we get to the end of the film and a giant freaking starfish is rampaging through a city, like I'm all in. I'm not questioning it. I am not thinking to myself, like, this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life. I'm like, oh my God, how are they going to, how are they going to kill this thing? Like if, if, if nothing they're doing is worth like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm invested. So this, this film did a great job of, of making you be invested in the film itself. I think, I think it was a good, it was a good choice of characters, mm-hmm. actors, mm-hmm. set, plot again didn't need to be complicated because actually it was just a fun action movie really yes. so yes. and for me John Cena Idris Elba and Margot Robbie carried this movie like they <laughs> they did so well in this movie I know I said Brad Catcher was one of my favorites earlier but I think she doesn't unfortunately she's a strong supporting character yeah but, but she doesn't really carry much humor either she's no, sort of no, like we said before she's the heart so she's yeah, like she's the conscious the of the, of the film. Yeah. That's what I liked about her was the heart of the movie. Yeah. So, but yeah, no, I would give this a strong 4.5. And I Born really out. hope, yeah, 4.5, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, I we really agree. Hope, we haven't agreed in a long time. But I, I really <laughs> hope there's a third one. Like, I really hope yeah, there is. Too. I really I really want to see Bloodsport. And I would love it if they bring Will Smith back. Like, I'm, you know, I'm a 90s kid. Like, Will Smith, you know, he was in everything. Independence Day, Fresh Prince. He's not doing as well lately. Um, I'm, I'm sure he's not struggling. Um, I'm sure he's you know still what? Got- this is their chance to bring in some of the like bigger villains. Like they don't have to be part of the Suicide Squad, obviously. But like, how fun would it be to see the Suicide Squad fighting against like Penguin or the Riddler? If we can start bringing some of those guys back, like that would yeah. be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think because it's Suicide Squad is the last resort. Like, what could you do that would be crazy enough? I mean, Starro was a pretty crazy, crazy <laughs> villain. Like, Starro was a pretty crazy villain to bring in. So, yeah. like, who who could be? Uh, no, would Penguin? I don't think would be. Penguin could be in it, but I couldn't see him being. But he wouldn't boss be big level, enough. I see le- what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah boss level. Like, because you kind of feel like Suicide Squad would, would, would go up against boss level villains, mm-hmm. like because they're like, well, Batman's busy, or Batman can't do that one. I mean, could Batman have taken down Star on his own? No, probably not. No, like, he would know. need Justice League help on that. Yeah, one. he would need Justice League. So yeah, if the Justice League are, are busy, sending the Suicide Squad. So who would be? Yeah. And you kind of feel like you feel, kind of feel like from the tone of the Suicide Squad, you need someone crazy, like a crazy villain. <laughs> I, I I don't know. Um, I don't know who to think. Um, At this point, the only person that they could fight in this already established universe would be Joker. Crazy old Jared Leto's Joker. Or maybe like Joker with a team up of like Penguin. Oh my God. Or if they brought in the Jokers from Batman Beyond. (sighs) Batman Beyond is really an untapped area that dc needs to get into and bring start bringing that stuff into the live action universe do you know what you could have it like a combination of like villains that they could go up against like uh, what clayface no clayface would be a good choice but like maybe like captain cold like oh yeah you know trying to think you know brainiac 
And see, if they ended up doing something like Gotham City Sirens, that's a perfect opportunity for them to also start introducing some like poison ivy, you know? That'd to, be cool. To, That'd be oh cool. man. Um, just yeah, I can't think of like anything crazy, crazy, crazy. Like you just need. Unless you brought in like Bizarro or Apocalypse. Oh, Sinistro. Apocalypse oh, Sinistro might be quite cool. Oh, yeah. The Lantern Corps. Mmm, Sinestro. I like that. Uh, he would be quite cool, I think. Yeah, he's like, a galactic threat. He, he is, but yeah, I don't know. Like, just trying to think what would be like on par with Starro, but then the trouble is you don't want to like constantly trying to like outdo yourself yeah anyway um we'll leave our review there but yeah I, I, basically we're keen to see more so i'm actually yeah, do you it. know what do you know what actually just one last thing before we move on i didn't care about the peacekeeper spinoff at all yeah i mean this movie, me neither before this movie but now i'd watch it well now that it takes place after the movie with the movie ending the way that it did yeah i want to know and and that's I why know. like because he's a bit of a sod in terms of killing off you know <laughs> rick flag <laughs> do i want to like support this character so would would this tv series maybe be like a redemption arc maybe no well, maybe not because he no, wants peace not. at any cost yeah at i'm hoping that they find I'm hoping if they'll find Rick Flag somewhere. So hopefully we'll see. Fingers like, crossed. They pretty, they it's the movies. You never know. <laughs> pretty, yeah, yeah. So anyway, in our next episode, we'll be reviewing Crossover Volume One from Image Comics. That's the first six issues, by the way. And don't forget, we did start a second podcast series where we tackle some of the most essential graphic novels of all time. Our eighth late to the party book club was Batman: The Killing Joke by Alan Moore, with art by Brian Ballin. That episode dropped at the end of July. And this month, we are back to nonfiction, and we're taking a deep dive into Persepolis by Marjan Stroppi. You can follow us on social media. We're Geeks Unleashed everywhere, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can get this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Google, Podbean, Apple, Spotify, we are everywhere. So please give us a five-star review and tell your geeky friends. Good journey. <laughs> oh, God, good. We're back to good journey. Why not? Let's, let's, try, and milk, let's try and milk that thing. All right, bye. <laughs>